From the vibrant soul of Sherrianna Boyle comes Just Ask Spirit, a show that reflects Sherrianna's passion to get this world feeling again. Her belief, emotions are the gateway to the soul. Sherrianna and her guest lineup of authors, healers, educators, and visionaries cover a variety of topics related to mental health and spirituality. Each week, Sherrianna and her team of experts share remarkable insights about life, spirit, manifesting, and more. Welcome to Just Ask Spirit. I'm Sherrianna Boyle. I'm your host, and I'm also the author of many books, the most recent being Emotional Detox Now, 135 Self-Guided Practices to Renew Your Mind, Body, and Your Spirit, Your Spirit. And today, we're going to have a, a very interesting conversation. I have a guest here. I'll introduce you in a moment. We're going to talk about bullying. We're going to talk about the brain. But most importantly, we're going to connect how being connected to spirit can help you, as well as other tools and strategies from, for recovering if you, you have gone through bullying or if you know someone who is being bullied. So let me sh- share my next guest with you, Jennifer Frazier. Welcome to Just Ask Spirit. Thank you so much for having me, Sherrianna. I'm very pleased to talk to your listeners about something that I really I care so much about. And um, it's been something that happened to me in my life that triggered this whole Um, exploration into brain science, what we can learn about our brains, and most of all, how incredibly adept our brains are at healing when they've been hurt. Awesome. So why don't we begin with just give a little snapshot. I know you're many things, right? As many authors are. And, And by the way, Jennifer, everyone wrote a book called The Bullied The Bullied Brain, Heal Your Scars and Restore Your Health. But I know that you you do many things before you wrote this book. So just give a snapshot of your background. Um, I'm an award-winning teacher. I have a PhD in comparative literature. And the PhD in comparative literature has served me well in my books um, because we're trained to take different discourses or different languages, different ways of thinking and put them into the arena to see what happens when we take them out of their silos. Do they, do they show us something new? Do they change the conversation? And that's exactly what I found um, in my latest book, The Bullied Brain. I found that when I took uh, bullying and I took child abuse and I took all forms of harassment and microaggressions and these ways that we've been trained to, te- to treat one another, um, when I put them into the arena together with brain science and psychology and medicine, I found that we were living under a series of misunderstandings and myths about this type of um, conduct and what it actually does to us. It was pretty shocking, actually, what I found out. And that was the, you know, this is the driving force behind what I want to share with readers. Mm. So when you use the term bullying, you're think you're talking pretty broad there because you just threw harassment in there, right? I mean, what what is what specifically are you speaking about? When I use the word bullying, I'm very, very laser focused on how adults treat children, how adults treat teenagers, and how adults treat young adults. And I'm I'm not trying to say the way adults behave with young people and with children is bad. In fact, I'm trying to sidestep the entire moral conversation of this. 
I'm not talking in moral terms anymore. I'm saying, you know what? We have to start talking about this behavior from a medical point of view. We have to talk about this behavior from a brain science point of view, because the, the morality aspect of it is it's misleading and it's very outdated. It's not, it's not relevant to what we know now about the health of the body, the health of the brain and the health of the spirit. Those things are heavily compromised by all forms of negative behaviors. And yet we live in a world where we have this hypocritical thing that we do that's really unhealthy, where we say to children and we say to young people, don't bully. Bullying is terrible. And that's the word we use. But then that language changes when we get into education. And we say to, we say to uh, young people, oh, what the teacher is doing when the teacher uses corporal punishment or when the teacher humiliates you in front of your peers or when the teacher berates you or yells at you or puts you down, those things are motivational. That's discipline. And so you can see the child starting to get confused. Same thing in sports. We say, oh, that's old school coaching. It's a military model. It's going to make you really tough. Well, that's not backed up by brain science. And that's not backed up by medical science. In fact, it's the opposite. It's not true at all. So when I use the term bullying, I'm talking about the fact that our culture has gotten to the point where we have so normalized bullying behavior in every single form that it takes the, the, the greatest, most prestigious, most powerful leaders in our world publicly behave this way and everyone acts as if it's normal. It's not normal. It's very unhealthy. And it goes against everything that the brain has been designed to do. Hmm. So what, you, what I hear you saying is you are a former teacher, right? And what you're saying is for as teachers and parents and caregivers, we teach our children not to bully. Right. We put us nowadays, it's a talked about a lot in schools, heavily spoken of bullying, bullying. Right. And what you're saying is somewhere along the line, what you have discovered is the lines get crossed. And when adults behave in a certain way, we call it discipline. So, in, in many ways, that minimizes we're still being bullied, would you say, in some cases? Uh, no, I would change the language there. When, when adults behave that way to children, um, mm. according to research and according to medicine and legal definitions, that's psychological, emotional, physical, it can be sexual um, abuse. It's abuse. It's child abuse. It's just that, like, if you take a look, it's been quite interesting in Canada recently. There's been a, a large story about some teenagers. Uh, there was three of them in particular who were very, they beat up essentially another girl, a 14 year old girl. And the other, the other students or kids that were watching this, they filmed it. So they all came together. It was this kind of like mob-like environment, herd-like environment. They filmed it and posted it on social media, which of course meant that the three girls that were violently beating this girl up and also shaming her, she had to kiss their shoes. It was, it's really, it's really quite horrifying to watch. I, I would warn people not to watch it you know, casually. It's, it's one of the most awful things I've seen. And, um, and then there's all this talk of, oh, the police want to press charges. And it, it really struck me because we are very quick in Canada anyhow, and I believe as well in the U.S., to press charges against young people. That does not factor in that 
a young person behaving that way has experienced that behavior themselves, most likely at the hands of adults, or they would never behave that way. So to give you an idea, that the brain learns bullying. Brains wow. learn how to abuse other people from adults. Adults role model it, and then they tell children not to do it, which causes a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's, yeah. it's hard for the brain to understand that. And so our kids, you know, they have very high levels right now of mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I'm not surprised because they get this double message. They learn how to bully. They're told not to bully. And they're also told that they need to subject themselves to the abusive behaviors of adults until they become an adult then they can identify with the aggressor and bully and harm other people if that's the path they choose. So interesting. So what know, happens, yeah. what happens to the brain, Jennifer? I mean, I, I, I have a little bit of information on that myself. I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a very on the side, I'm an adjunct psychology professor. So I teach a lot about the brain and I do know that there is science and I want to hear more about what you found in regards to how it affects the neurons in the brain, right. In terms of the, the, the communicate, the communicating, um, because it does impact when someone is bullied, right. So you're saying, when they're treated, when they're yelled at, this can be a form of emotional and psychological abuse when they're manipulated, essentially, correct? Something happens to the brain. So share about that. So what I found interesting is that, um, and the way I, I get people to really understand is, we used to think that concussions didn't do damage to the brain. Now we can look on a brain scan and we can see that indeed a concussion is a traumatic brain injury. It can be seen. It's visible. We have non-invasive technology now, as you would know, being a professional, to see the brain. So I took a look at, well, what do brains look like that have adults who yell at them all the time? What do brains look like that have adults that threaten them and put them down and humiliate them and, um, you know, use a lot of uh, sort of neglectful, emotional, attacking, or a lot of ignoring, they don't give feedback. What does that look like in the brain? And there is documented extensive evidence that it harms all kinds of aspects of the brain. It hurts the corpus callosum, which is um, the, the connecting piece between the left and right hemisphere of the brain. So if your corpus callosum is damaged, you can't you can't have the two hemispheres of your brain effectively communicating or communicating with great speed, which is what is very advantageous in life. Mm -hmm. If you have um, a, what I call the bullied brain, then you have a very harmed hippocampus. That's mm -hmm. the seat of learning. It's the seat of problem solving and memory and emotional tags. It's a critically important part of the brain. And when you look at um, a child who hasn't had any adult attacking, like verbal attacking and put downs and swearing and threatening and berating, you just have a child's brain that's being ignored, like completely mm -hmm. no adults loving. There's no love. There's no holding. There's no care. Uh, there's no bonding and attachment. That child's brain looks so radically different on a brain scan than a healthy child that's in a loving um, family or with caretakers who love it. It's shocking. And this is what I really think everyone needs to know. And I, I just want to, I want to add on to this. This is, this is upsetting information. The exciting part, the inspiring part is that 
those brains for the most part, except for the really badly harmed ones, like the neglected ones, those brains can heal. If you've been badly abused, if you've been badly bullied in your life, even if it was for you know, a period of time and you feel that it's holding you back, the brain science is clear that you have within you and innate within your own brain, an incredible capacity to repair damage done. Mm. I love that. And that's because of neuroplasticity, right, Jennifer? We So we do have the ability to heal the brain. So many things are popping up in my mind and I couldn't agree with you more. And just so our listeners know, after the break, we're going to be really diving into the tools, ways that you can heal your brain. So if this is all feeling a little close to home for you and you're feeling like, wow, I hadn't realized that maybe my brain isn't, and it does affect us later in life. You know, we comes up in relationships, we might freeze, we might have a hard time um, dealing with rejection or decision-making, things like that. That's all can be sort of the after effects, but it's interesting because I know your book has this unique angle of adults and the way that we um, we change the rules when we become adults, right? And I'm just thinking about one of my daughters who just told me a story the other day, she gets in the car, she gets home from school. We're in the car driving home. And she tells me about a hall monitor. She was really close to her classroom, but I suppose you're supposed to go a certain way. You're not supposed to walk through a certain hallway to get to this classroom. You're supposed to take a certain route. She went through the hallway because in her mind, she's thinking I'm going to be late to class. So the one day she says, I'm going to cut through this hallway. Um, she gets, she gets nabbed. (laughs) She gets it. And now she meets this hall monitor who just doesn't want to even hear why she made that choice. Doesn't matter. And they tell her to turn around. She said, literally, I'm two feet from the door and go the other way and do it the way you were supposed to. So she said, I did that, but now I'm late for class. Right. And now I'm and and now I'm walking in. So, you know, this is such a minor example, but I just kind of wanted to bring this to light because is this the kind of stuff that we should be looking out for, Jennifer? And how do we handle that? Yeah, I think that's a it's a really good example, actually, because uh, a bunch of things come to my mind. And the first one is one of the most important things for people to understand is that might have been one moment in your daughter's day. But let's say she had a teacher as well who was really strict about lateness. I know teachers who will do things like they will close the door and lock the students out to Mm -hmm. teach teach them a lesson about being late. Um, And maybe maybe that happened. And then maybe the kids in her class, um, you know, they're looking for an excuse to laugh at her, put her down. And she has a lot of anxiety in that class anyways. There's a group of kids that are mean to her, whatever. The point being these accumulated stresses throughout the day that she associates with school and learning and growing, um, they are activating her, her stress response system. So her sympathetic nervous system is getting tripped up. It's getting activated. And even before she was going to be late for class, which easily could have been out of her control. Maybe you were late for work. Maybe her little brother was unwell. Maybe her dad um, had a huge meeting and had a meltdown. Like, People can be late for 8,000 reasons. Kids can be late for so many reasons. It's not a, a, a badge of 
you know, lack of morality or character. It is just a human situation that happens. And so if we, we can respond to that with empathy, we can say, you know what, I've been late before. I've had to take the shortcut. It's no fun. Let me get the door for you. Don't do it again. You know, we're not really supposed to use this hall. And uh, my job is to kind of keep this clear. But obviously, today is an exception. I, mm. I know what it feels like to be late. And I, I hate that stress. Mm. So that's one Love way of that. handling it. And that calms the kid down. That's a, a sympathetic nervous system that can let its shoulders down. It can do a little bit of deep breathing. And it can immediately start learning. It walks in the door. The brain is open to learning. But if she was treated that way, she had to become late for class that triggered these cascading effects of stress. Chances are good. She got in the door and she wasn't learning. She was mad. She was, she had hurt feelings. She was embarrassed. The teacher took it out on her. She could have actually got there. You know, then she's mad at her parents. It's their fault. They didn't drive her to school on time. And all of this. Well, let me, let me tell you. And I know what happened when she got in the class because she told me. So this is an, another interesting layer for everyone that's listening out there. So when she got in the class, what she did do is she let the teacher know what happened. The teacher didn't penalize her because they knew, right? But this is the kind of stuff that happens. Now we've got tension in the workplace, right? Because now that teacher has to tuck that away, that that situation occurred between a teacher, another teacher and a student. And wouldn't you say that this is how things kind of get infected in an environment, right? Yeah. I, I love that you use that word because in the, in the neuroscience research, they talk a lot about microaggressions. I would argue that that was a microaggression on the part of the hall monitor whose priority was control and command and rules and not seeing this person as human to human. How can I help you? How can I understand what's going on for you? Let me walk in your shoes. No empathy. They just see it as power and command. And I will tell you what to do and you will do it according to the rules. And if you take that attitude into the workplace, you take those kinds of microaggressions in, what happens is they infect the entire culture. The research shows that not only does that allow abuse to flourish in a work environment or organizational or school environment, not only does that happen, but it also encourages that type of behavior in other people. So it's like a virus has just gotten into the school or the workplace. And the next thing you know, everybody's on a low level and then and then it's getting bigger and bigger, mistreating one another. Well, then it gets tucked away, right? It gets shoved under the rug, probably never gets fully addressed on either part, on my daughter's part, or the student's part, or the teacher, right? And so, like you said, you could go a, a step further if you're that teacher and say, hey, you know, um, how are you doing today? How's everything going? Because that hall monitor might be going through something. Right. When somebody behaves that way, where they want to manage or control, very often there's a history there. Right, Jennifer? Exactly. So that's it's sort of the full circle. If we go back to these teenagers that the police want to charge criminally for their behavior, I can tell you I have never kicked anyone in my life. I have never punched anyone in the face and I've never asked anyone to kiss my shoes. So does that make me a good person? And this teenage girl, these girls that did it, are they bad people who need the justice system to come down hard on them and they're, they're developing teenage brains? I would argue absolutely not. The only reason why I do not behave that way is has nothing to do with me and nothing to do with good character, nothing to do with morality. It has to do with the fact with my brain does not have the emotion concept for violence. 
Why? Because I was never treated to violence in my life. I was never treated. Well, that's not true. Actually, I was going to say I was never treated to humiliation. I wasn't on the part of my family and my parents. I, I didn't come from an abusive home. I was abused by teachers and there is a lot of humiliation, but I still have no need now to do it. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm much more likely to turn that type of negative behavior inward because that's my personality type. I'm an introvert. So I take harmful things and I unleash them upon myself, but I could have become the aggressive person. As you would know, as a psychologist, the way I'm getting my aggression out is by turning it on other people. But I can tell you for a fact, those teenage girls do not come from a home that's healthy or happy or caring or compassionate. Yeah. So we need to help them. We absolutely do. And I think sometimes we have a stigma around homes. Like if, if people have money, oh, they don't need any help. They have money. They go on vacation. <laughs> right. Or, you know, and so we kind of select based on outer exterior appearance, who needs help and who doesn't. This is an absolutely fascinating conversation. Um, I can't wait to dive into how this does affect the way we live our lives, um, how to get support, but also I'm always interested in talking about how this affects our spirit, right? The way we connect to our spirit. And so we're going to talk more about that, everyone, after the break. So come right back. From the vibrant soul of Sherrianna Boyle comes Just Ask Spirit on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Monday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Just Ask Spirit is a show that reflects Sherrianna's passion to get this world feeling again. Her belief, emotions are the gateway to the soul. Sherrianna and her lineup of best-selling authors, healers, and visionaries cover a variety of topics related to mental health and spirituality. Don't miss Sherrianna's remarkable insights from the divine at the end of every show. Sherrianna Boyle is all about empowering you. Her life has centered around mindful approaches to healing the mind and body. Her main belief, your emotions matter, processing them matters more. As a spiritual teacher and adjunct psychology professor, she is the author of nine books that can help empower lives from Emotional Detox Now, The Four Gifts of Anxiety, to Mantras Made Easy, and The Conscious Parenting Guide to Childhood Anxiety. There is certainly a book there for you. Find yours at SherryAnnaBoyle.com. Ever wonder what it's like to have your own radio show? Well, wonder no longer, because you can dip into the radio airwaves by being host for the day on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. It's a fabulous way to get your radio feet wet. It's an opportunity to market your business, modality, or book. Have a guest, mention a sponsor, and take callers. Or you may want to facilitate a lesson by going solo. It's up to you. Listeners can be online, mobile, in cars with Bluetooth, or listen through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For more details, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and click on Host for the Day. Open up to and feel the presence of angels and other loving figures in an environment filled with support, delight, and humor with angel intuitive Michael Andre Ford. Angels are happy to assist with all matters and shed light on your unique life path and opportunities. Mention discount code DREAM for 20% off when you register for Meet the Angels at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, July 29th to the 31st. Learn more at eomega.org. 
Welcome back to Just Ask Spirit. If you're just joining us, we're talking about, well, we're talking about adult bullying, how that impacts the brain. And now we're at the piece of this, the show where we want to talk about how to help you. If, if this is you, how to take care of your brain, if you believe that you've been influenced. Uh, Jennifer Frazier is here joining me, the author of The Bullied Brain, Heal Your Scars and Restore Your Health. So, Jennifer, I'm Um, listening. Yes. (laughs) I want to pick up on something that you said, um, Sherrianna, just before, where you said that, you know, we have this, this mistaken approach that we take where we look at someone and they look healthy. So we're very visual people. So we see them and there's research specifically that's being done on young people and they look perfectly healthy. And yet when you look at the brain scan, you can see that their brains have been really quite badly um, harmed by the lives that they've led. So yes, they might come from wealthy homes. They might go on lots of holidays. They might have lots of um, opportunities given their way. But if they've been abused, if they've been bullied, especially, I mean, at the hands of youth, but especially at the hands of adults, they can be walking around with an injury that they don't even know exists. And this is the biggest problem with the brain. And this is where, for me, in my mind, it really aligns powerfully with spirit. Because the brain, what I want to convey in my book is, we've lived for a long time in a framework. I call it the bullying and abuse paradigm. So we've been raised in it and we've normalized it. And we especially normalize adult behaviors that are highly bullying towards young people and to children. And so what I do in my work is when I look at the brain and I learn that, you know, we put these labels on kids and we say they're this or that. Well, you can't really do that. You can't mark, you know, where where brains will ultimately be because they are so full of neuroplasticity. You can train your brain. You can train um, character skills that you want, like self-regulation. Let's say you don't want to lose your temper. You can learn by training your brain not to be someone who flies off the handle. You can learn to be much more calm, much more articulate, much more full of self-confidence, much more connected to the universe. If you do the practices that I talk about in my book. So mm-hmm. in my book, the every single chapter has an action step and the action step is grounded in neuroscience. So I give you really sort of hands-on practical ways that you can take this information about the invisible injuries that your brain suffers at the hands of others and how you can transform some of that, how you can repair it because the brain is so skilled at repair. Yeah. That, you know, the, that's a good point for everyone to hear that you can you can retrain yourself. So if you're someone that flies off the handle, and nowadays that might look like sending a mean text, right? Or venting. A lot of people vent through texting now, right? And they're just so they just have to send that text, right? They cannot hold back. A lot of adults, right, are having a hard time. And so what you're saying, Jennifer, is you can you can uh, retrain. I do want to know what you suggest for that in a moment, but you really brought to light, but I'm going to give another practical example because I think it's interesting to bring in these. So I got an email home. This is just so everyone uh, knows we are um, pre-recording this segment. This is after the school shooting in the United States here. We've got a school shooting massive problem here. I wish they would call me. I wish they would call you, right? We could help out a lot. Um, and. 
So I get an email home saying that they're going to take action today, meaning they're going to meet in the auditorium and they're going to have a moment of silence and they're going to honor the children that were um, died and the families from this tragedy. But the email heading said, we're going to take action. You know how I read that? We're going to react because to me, I'm like, why are you going to take action? This isn't a time to take action. This is a time for connection. Just those small things don't you agree, Jennifer, can make, we have to watch the way we frame things. To me, I'm thinking, take action, right? Uh, okay, what does that mean exactly, right? And what are you teaching children? How about let's come together and heal and honor and connect and support one another? The simple ways that we can that we can calm everyone down and really honor what's happening emotionally. I think sometimes these statements they're a little detached from what people are feeling. What do you think, Jennifer? I I fully agree, and it's really interesting to me because at the at the heart of the book, at the very core of it, the action step that I choose is grieve, and I talk about how sometimes we need to just stop. And we need to feel the sadness of what has happened and we need to feel the loss and we need to sit with those really painful, uncomfortable feelings. And the reason being that is exactly as you say, Sherrianna, that's where connection comes from. That's where empathy finds its heart. That's where we become much more gentle, compassionate, caring, thoughtful. We choose our words with care because we know other people are sensitive. You know, this is what all our kids should be learning in school, but they're not learning these kinds of um, qualities. And and in my work, I I came across something that really, two things I want to talk about that really hit home. And one is that every single child should be learning every single day at school how to maintain and care for a healthy brain and a healthy body. But my guess is if we asked our kids and the teachers and the coaches and the school administrators, if we asked them to raise their hand and it, to, sh- to show that they could name five parts of the brain and what its essential involvement is, because the brain is inextricably, it's doing everything all at once. It's, it's sort of artificial yeah. to separate it out, as you would know. But ask them mm-hmm. five parts of the brain and, and how do you best take care of those five parts of the brain? My guess would be no one, including the school principal, can put their hand up. And that really needs to change. And so in my book, my goal is to say, look, the brain science is complicated, but there is enough clear knowledge, enough conclusions that they've reached in the laboratories that could enhance all of our lives in just immeasurably. And I especially want kids to know. So the two things I would love all children to know and all people that mm-hmm. love children and care for them and the education system is that we have 86 billion neurons in our brain, 86 billion. When neuroscientists want to talk about this, and that's, that's even a limited number, the only, the only comparison they can come up with is it's like stars in the galaxy. And that's a beautiful way to compare them because your, your brain, all these brain cells, these neurons are electric. And you mm-hmm. can work with them. You don't have to work against them. And so that's what Thing number one, every kid needs to know, no matter what label has ever been put on you, no matter what adult has said is going to be your limitation or your block or your inability, none of it's true because they don't know what your brain can become. And we can change our brains and we can make them stronger and healthier until the very last day we are here on this planet. 
And then the other key spirit piece for me is we've lost touch with the fact that children, as in other cultures, the name child, for example, and this is your sensitivity to language, the name for child in the Lakota language means sacred being. Mm. And we need to understand that we are caretakers of sacred beings when they come into this world. Our job is not to control them or command them or have a power advantage over them or crush them. Our job is to let them become the wondrous beings that they are meant to become. Mm. And that includes allowing them to make mistakes, right? They are. And if you look at it, mistake, right? It isn't always a mistake in their mind. Sometimes like my daughter, it's the better choice of the two, right? But but allowing them the space to grow. I mean, that is what we're here to do as a human being and as a spiritual being. Wouldn't you agree, Jennifer, that as a spiritual being, we're meant to grow and contribute and be connected to something greater. But what I hear you saying is when we don't have compassion and empathy, right. And we're, and we're criticizing or putting our sacred beings, as you call it, these sacred um, little beings of light children that we're really, we're really disconnecting them from the greater part of who they are. Well, it goes back to this, Um, There's a line of poetry that I particularly love where William Wordsworth, a a British poet from the 19th century, he says, children come into the world trailing clouds of glory. And Wordsworth believed, just as you described, that we come into this world, we come onto the planet because it's a gift that's been given to us so that we can learn. We can Mm -hmm. make the mistakes that happen in the planet, that happen in the world, but we we can never lose touch with our spirit our clouds of glory, because that's where we came from and that's where we're going to. But our time on the planet is our time to shape spirit and learn by mistakes. And then the most beautiful thing is all children should know, all adults should know, especially teachers, the way the brain learns is by making mistakes. That's how it learns. So we've created this system back to my concept of the bullying and abuse framework or paradigm, we've created this system where we treat mistakes as if, oh, you got to, you get a a mark off for that. Oh, we're going to take your, we're going to lower your grade. We're going to tell you that all this learning that you're doing, all this incredible brain spirit, you know, progress and walking the journey through life. We're going to tell you every step of the way, how wrong you are and how you're less than because you've made all these mistakes. So it's very backwards. I love, you know, no one's ever said it like that before, Jennifer, that we learn the brain learns from making mistakes. Interesting. So not to put it out like it's a punishment or they didn't do it right, or they're, they need to, uh, you know, somehow have consequences for whatever it is. That is absolutely fascinating. So What do you recommend in terms of if you had one wish, you could wave your magic wand, Jennifer, wave your wand. What's, what's (laughs) one thing you wish that educators and parents would, would, would do in terms of creating as your, as your new book says, and again, everyone listening, it's called the bullied brain, heal your scars and restore your health. What do you, what would you suggest? Well, I think the primary thing everyone needs to understand is hurt brains hurt. Mm. So if you have a hurt brain, you might find yourself hurting inside. You might have a hurt spirit 
you might have a hurt body, you might have a hurt brain and no one can see the injury and no one's looking at your brain on a brain scan. So they're not helping you. You might feel very alone, hurt brains hurt, or you might be out there hurting other people. Hurt brains hurt other people is a horrible aspect of it. It's a cycle. And, and if you could, if you could just let yourself off the hook and say, you know what? I was scripted. I was formed. My brain was sculpted to behave in this hurtful way. And as of today, brand new day, I'm going to change that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fulfill my potential. I'm going to connect to the universe and the brain that was given to me as one of the most incredible blessings and gifts ever known to, to the universe. It is, we don't even know the half of what our brains can do. And why don't I start communing with it and working with it instead of working against it? And what's one strategy? So what you're saying is a shift in mindset. You wish everyone understood that if a brain is hurt, it's going to hurt back. And so what I hear you saying is, is that we need to, we need to take that in and know that when you see someone being mean or disrespectful or hurting, their brain is hurt. Their brain is hurt and needs repair, as you say in your book, restore the health of the brain. What's one technique we could do today? Um, Every single person today could learn the key phrase, what fires together, wires together. Okay. That's phrase number one. I'd love all listeners to think about, and I'll talk about it in a second. And then the second one, the brain has limited cortical real estate. So what fires together, wires together. Today, I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to be unkind. I'm going to be mean to shop people that help me. I'm going to be mean to kids. I'm going to be a teacher that humiliates my students. I'm going to be a wife that's that's angry and sharp with my husband. And I'm going to be a mother who completely tears a strip off my kids for the mistakes they've made. That's my day. All day long, every single time I behave that way, I am firing up the neural network for bullying and I'm wiring it more strongly into my brain. And the more I do that, the more I push out of my limited cortical real estate uh, neighborhood areas for humor, creativity, compassion, doing things that are spontaneous and new. Nope, I'm not going to do any of those things and I'm not going to let that neighborhood flourish in my brain. I'm going to channel my brain energy into repeat behaviors where I I hurt, I humiliate, I put down, I berate, whatever. And Mm. every time, every time I fire up those neurons, I'm wiring that neural network into my brain. It's a choice. So for all listeners saying, oh, I was, I was bullied and abused and I can't help it. And my brain is hurt. And this is who I'm going to be. I would tell you that that is absolutely inaccurate. Brain science knows that you make a choice how you want your brain to look. Same thing with your body. You can sit on the couch and be full of despair and not move, or you can say, you know what, today is the day I get up and I walk in nature for an hour and you will change everything about yourself. Same thing with the brain. Mm. If I got up this morning and I said, you know what, I'm going to be so thoughtful to shopkeepers. I'm going to um, call up my husband and see how his day is going because I love him so much and I want him to know how much I care. I'm going to sit down with my kids and have a few tears because when you make mistakes, it's hard and I know what that's like. Mm. I'm going to care for my students. I'm going to tell them that I think they're brilliant and their potential is unlimited and I can hardly wait to see who they become. I love this. Very simple and and very clear. So thank you so much for for being a champion of brains <laughs> and and sharing 
your wisdom and your insights. And I'm imagining your book is is full of other ideas of ways that you can heal your brain. Um, thank you so much, Jennifer, for being a guest on Just Ask Spirit. Thank you, Sherrianna, for having me. It was so lovely to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. And those of you listening, I'll be right back with a little message from Spirit right after the break. Are you looking for a simple way to stay in shape and care for your emotions? Well, look no further. It's Sherrianna here. And I want you to know I have been teaching yoga for over 20 years. My style might be a little different. I include a little bit of cardio, yoga, breath work, and of course, you're going to hear my emotional detox teaching sprinkled in. People describe my classes as therapy. (laughs) So zoom in and practice yoga with me live on Tuesdays at 930 Eastern or Thursdays, noontime Eastern, where you can take it on demand as I record everything. Go to SherriannaBoyle.com, click Explore Memberships to learn more. From the vibrant soul of Sherrianna Boyle comes Just Ask Spirit on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Monday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Just Ask Spirit is a show that reflects Sherrianna's passion to get this world feeling again. Her belief, emotions are the gateway to the soul. Sherrianna and her lineup of best-selling authors, healers, and visionaries cover a variety of topics related to mental health and spirituality. Don't miss Sherrianna's remarkable insights from the divine at the end of every show. Looking for a fun and relaxing getaway? Omega Rest and Rejuvenation Retreats are a great way to unwind and renew your spirit. Sit and read in the garden, explore the woodland trails, or try a daily yoga or meditation class. You can stretch your body, quiet your mind, and do as much or as little as you choose. Located in Rhinebeck, New York, just 90 miles north of New York City, Omega's natural environment and quiet pace allow for extraordinary experiences to unfold. Learn more at eomega.org or call 800-944-1001. When we think of a detox, we usually think of it as a physical experience. But what about a mind-emotional detox? With Sherrianna Boyle's new book, Emotional Detox Now, you get just that. Inside, you will find 135 of Sherrianna's signature cleanses laid out for you. In just five minutes a day, you can enjoy the soothing benefits of an emotional detox. Imagine feeling centered, calm, and free. With an emotional detox now, you can. Grab your book today at your favorite bookstore or go to sherriannaboyle.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to Just Ask Spirit. I'm Sherrianna, if you're just joining the show. And that was a really great conversation with Jennifer Frazier. I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. And this is the part of the show where I talk about spirit. I talk about emotional detoxing. Those of you who are new to the show, I've written several books on emotional detox. And I created a system called Cleanse, which is the seven steps of an emotional detox. Through that system, as soon as you start really learning how to process your emotions, it really connects you and opens you up to spirit. 
So my mission has always been to get the world feeling again, because I believe a lot of these behaviors come from a state of non-feeling. And now my mission is really to get the world connected to spirit again. But I want to just really be clear that they're very connected. It's it's like an evolution, right? You start to feel, you learn how to process, and that's naturally going to open you up to um, to your spirit because you are more than a human being. I hate to break the news to you, but you are so much more than you your physical body. Now, in terms of what Jennifer was just talking about and the examples that I was what we were throwing out to help make it so that this information is a little bit more tangible for you. The some of the examples of, for example, a child who might have a, something happen to them where maybe they were talked down to or a little bit of a power play with an adult. These are great opportunities if you know someone. So for example, um, you know, your, your own child where you can really teach them how to process what they feel. So rather than what was that like, or what did you think, or that person was a jerk, or, you know, sometimes whatever we say for responses or that, that must've been hard for you. It's not that they're they're wrong or bad, but you could actually take that a step further and, and really take a look at, well, what was that like for you? You know, how did it feel when um, you had to, I'll use my daughter's example, when you had to go the other way. Um, and, and that's an opportunity to process something there. And what the emotional detox process teaches is how to use the breath to be able to process those feelings. So we would take a nice deep breath and encourage you to take one with me now. Inhale. Inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth or your nose. Right? And so as much as I, we would like to say, well, the adult shouldn't act like that. Right? And I get that. We, and and I get the concept. Her brains. I'm very clear now. Jennifer was wonderful. Her brains, her her people. Right. The thing that we have to keep in mind is, from a spiritual perspective, many of these things are the way that the universe puts something back in front of us to be a mirror, a reflection that there is something in us that is hasn't been processed yet. So my guess is, I'm just going to use my daughter as an example, that maybe she felt irritated or maybe she felt humiliated or maybe she felt uh, overpowered, right? And I'm imagining that there's other times in her life that she felt that, right? So same thing with you. If you ever felt overpowered by someone, maybe maybe you were around someone that just kind of dominated the space, you know, like you didn't have a voice, you didn't have a say kind of thing, just a very strong personality. And if you don't process the emotions around those kinds of situations, what happens from a universal perspective is they circle back around to give you a chance to do that again. So we don't want to get too caught up in the person and the problem. We want to know that there's always an emotion there to be processed, right? So it could be an emotion of feeling ashamed or fearful or 
anxious or nervous, right? And and I, in the emotional detox perspective, will often say that those might not actually be emotions, they might be reactions. So take a breath on that because everybody has to digest that for a moment when I say that. So what I'm saying is humiliation could be a reaction. Shame could be a reaction. Nervousness could be a reaction. That's what we detox. Once we detox those reactions, and that's where the seven steps of the cleanse, the process comes in. When, once you detox them and you, what you're doing in the detox is you're actually transforming the pattern. It's a pattern likely. You know, why is it that we keep running into the situation? Probably in us. Sometimes we're born with patterns. We're, we're born exposed to patterns. So I'm saying in addition to really understanding the brain, like Jennifer said, getting clear on how we can change the brain in very simple ways. It's important to recognize that that person didn't cause those feelings and those reactions. They were likely already in us, right? They were likely already there. And it's an opportunity. I know it doesn't feel like an opportunity, but it can be an opportunity to move through the steps of the detox so that you can get the learnings and the spiritual wisdom and the spiritual strength because you are a spiritual being first that you need that is looking to to be delivered to you through these events circumstances and situations in your life but if we avoid it if we put it under the rug if we move on we won't quite get everything that was really attempting to um, support us through these, in the grand scheme of things, very, some of these things are minor events. Some of these things are major events, right? Major impact. So take a deep breath. How do I know what's minor, what's major, how it affects behavior later, right? If it's minor, then you know that your child was able to bounce back, you were able to bounce back and get on your feet again. You know, it was a major impact when it really impacts the self-esteem, the self-worth, can't get back up and rolling again. You don't have that foundation. You don't have the tools and strategies to help you. So just kind of let yourself marinate in that a little bit, marinate the idea of, okay, this is here for a reason. Ah, I know, I know, I know it doesn't always feel that way, but I do believe when we have a strong reaction, very often it is a pattern that's looking to be released, looking to be freed. And that's where my work can hopefully help people in the world because if we can release the patterns, then we don't have to do this song and dance anymore, folks. Right? I mean, aren't you getting a little tired of it? The song and the dance, right? And the and the effort and the fix and the change and the do da, 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 da. Aren't you getting a little tired of it? These are opportunities, opportunities to receive from spirit. So I'm going to take a nice deep breath now. Everybody take a nice deep breath with me. Inhale. 
and exhale. Another deep breath. Inhale. Keep your eyes open if you're driving. Inhale. Through your nose and exhale. Okay. The message I'm getting from spirit today for you is um, don't think, take things too personally. Very often we can. That person doesn't like me. That teacher doesn't like me. They probably hate me. They probably think I'm a bad kid. Don't take things so, so personally. When you process what you feel, what can happen is you get stronger and you don't internalize things as much. You don't take it so hard, a hard hit on your character, on, on your intentions, on your spirit. So really give your chance to take a break from, you know, release that reactivity so that you don't take things so personally, right? Because they're not always about us. Most often they're not. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of Just Us Spirit. Hey, if you love all this brain stuff, guess who I have coming up on the next show? Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's the author of Stroke of Insight. She's amazing. She's got one of the most watched TED Talks around. Well, she's coming up next week. So make sure you uh, come back in and tune into Just Ask Spirit. We're going to talk more about the brain. And I can't wait to ask Dr. Jill Taylor what she thinks spirit is and what it means to her. Until next time, your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. Thank you for listening. Join Sherrianna next time to continue this remarkable journey of discovering the amazing power of your emotions. Reach out to Sherrianna directly on SherriannaBoyle.com. Share your comments and ask your Just Ask Spirit questions. Until next time, remember, your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.